Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am Trip Lano, one half of the Mega Podcasting Powers. And with me, as always, is my tag team partner, a man who is the only person I know that can do a quadruple Lindy, the Macho Mandrew. Andrew Lano, but only on Pride. <laughs> After you get your special magic potion of 100 vodka sodas. Yeah, and occasionally fireball shots because that's what drag queens give out. Oh, okay. Interesting. Would not have expected the bro shot to also be the drag queen shot. Well, it's just because most bars are like, yeah, we'll we'll give away fireball for free. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's it's whatever the bar wants to give away for free, typically, which that, is fireball. That makes sense. You all probably didn't notice this, but of course, uh, you know, sometimes we let you in on little secrets. And one is that we had to record a bunch of episodes because I was moving. So this is my first episode in my newest podcast recording space. And uh, the first time we've recorded in two months. Yeah, it's been a nice vacation, I'll be honest. How do you podcast? I think only because we did so many, like our normal, our normal, like record two a month, maybe three in a, in a crazy month is fine. But I think doing so many, I was like, I am burnout. Yeah. Uh, hopefully you didn't tell. I listened to them and I didn't think you could tell, but uh, hopefully you didn't feel that way. But uh, also, uh, what is podcast? How you po- how, how to podcast? Yeah, right. That was my thought. I was like, oh, I have to, I have to make jokes. <laughs> I have to make jokes. How do you joke? What is joke? Uh, anyway, it's about back to school time. I think I don't have children, neither does Andrew. So I don't really know. No, I, I mean, just know that what I... When I it was mid August ish. When I go to stores, the back to school supplies are in. Yes, or Halloween stuff. Well, it's both. Yes, okay. But the, I'm just saying the the notebooks are there. Your trapper keepers. Your uh, your uh, what's what your, your Lisa, Lisa Frank, Frank pencil case. Yes, that's what I wanted. I was like, are we just like just going back? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's all there for you to pick up. And so, of course, we decided to go back to school with Rodney Dangerfield. You know what that means. We gotta go back. We gotta go dissect. <laughs> He's never walked like that before. We gotta go back. We gotta go dissect the 80s. It's your raunchy old band comedy. Something's gonna be about your raunchy old band comedy. When the mega powers explode. I'm talking about the 80s. Oh, yeah. Scott. Of the crop. Oh, 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 yeah. Mega power, yeah. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. So you'd seen this before, right? Very long time ago. I couldn't. Rem- I so my brain, because our brains fill in holes. My brain thought this was a Billy Madison situation. Ah, okay. Where where Roddy Dangerfield was the son who had to like who was going back to school. Oh, okay, okay. Because I remembered that there was like the I remember the the exa- the the exam being a thing. I didn't remember specifics. I remember that he dove at the end, and my brain was like, "Yeah, he's yes. probably like going back to school so that he can get a business like count as a business degree or something." Sure, sure. It's not that I at all. Remembered that? No, I remembered the diving. Which is like a fairly inconsequential part of this movie. Me too. Like, I remembered it being most of the movie. Yeah, I was like, because it got to the end, I was like, there's five minutes left in this movie. And like, we haven't even hinted that Rodney Dangerfield is going to die for them. I thought he was like on the team. 
Okay, I'm just curious. I was I was really dying to know if you also had misremembered because the other funny thing was when I was you know doing some research and and reading IMDb. IMDb has this classified as a sports comedy, and I was like, right, right, it's all about the diving. It's like it's it's not a sports comedy. It's a like, comedy. It has, it has a very small scene of sport in it, but that is it. Yeah, this is this is not a sports comedy, y'all. Yeah, no, this is a very, your classic slobs v. snobs, and also your classic, hey, this person's a stand-up comedian. But it's not even slobs v. snobs, because he's also rich. Right, but he is a slob rich, as opposed to a snob somewhat rich. I guess, because there's times when someone was like, oh, he thinks he can pay his way out of the gutter. I was like, rich people, by definition, aren't in the gutter, Zabka. Or maybe not that. Whoever said it. I was like... Yeah, it was probably the professor. I was like, that's not how rich people work, you dingus. Right, right. Yeah, it's more of slob v. snob in the singular, I suppose. Yeah. We start off with a flashback. We got, I'm pretty sure, the brother from the Wonder Years. I I, I think so. I I googled and I was like, oh, Monster Squad. Right, yes. He's also in Monster Squad. Uh, I can't remember the actor's name and I didn't write it down. So I'm just going to keep moving because he's in this movie for one minute and who could possibly care? Um, yes. They have a big fight. And it reminded me, thought... I've been watching Futurama again, because uh, I'm like, I need a, I'll try a different sleep show that's not Bob's Burgers or Golden Girls. So I tried Futurama, and I forgot how how good that show is. Oh, it's really good, yeah. Uh, so not good for sleeping, because I just stay up and watch. But it reminded me of this, uh, the Zoidberg exchange, when uh, they go and meet his uncle Harold Zoid, and there's these exchanges of him as a kid where they're like... Sure, you can be a comedian if you're giving up on your dream of being a doctor. (laughs) And that's what this whole beginning reminded me of. Yeah, for sure. The other thing that I found really interesting is like I started to say this and then we got sidetracked. But this is very clearly one of those movie situations where you're like, all right, we have this very famous stand up comedian. Everybody knows who Rodney Dangerfield is. He's like not only got, you know, his comedy thing, but he's got enough cultural cachet that they just like give him stuff to do. Like, I don't know if you're aware of this. But a couple of years before back to school, he put out a novelty record called Rappin' Rodney, which is exactly I did as hear bad about that. You, exactly as bad as you think it is. Was Jerry, anyone else on it? Like, was it like he got famous rappers of the time? I could not last long enough to like listen to all of well, it. No, but the, I thought the track listings might be like, you know, featuring Vanilla Ice, featuring yeah. MC Hammer or something. My my understanding is it's one of those like, I'm Rodney Dangerfield. I'm here to say... Pull on your collar ah. the easy way, you know that kind of thing. A uh, uh, what is it? A suburban white mom rap where you can yeah, exactly. include a line about drug use or about uh, anti-drug use, and it doesn't sound out of place. Yes, exactly. It's you know, it's like a very simple beat, and he just like sort of talks in rhythm, sort of. Really interesting. So it's like one of those movies where they're like, all right, we just gotta, we're just, we're giving Rodney Dangerfield a movie. Let's just find a bunch of places for him to do his stand up, which mostly that's what he does. But his famous, like, no respect and tugging on the collar, he never does. But the kid does the t- collar tug, which I thought yeah. was very Yeah. And then it ends with uh, R E S P E C T. So, yes. The, yeah, yeah. They're in there. You just don't yeah. know they're there. Exactly. It's it's the most subtle thing in this movie, which is very much like large sledgehammers. And in my brain, he was like, I'm not doing the respect joke this time. And they were like, all right, get Aretha Franklin on the phone. (laughs) Call Aretha's people. You don't need to get Aretha. Just get Aretha's people and tell like figure out how big of a check we got to (laughs) cut. Yeah. 
Also, this cast is kind of stacked. It's it's totally stacked. And so this is this is what I was what really saves this movie is you fill out the roster with character actors when you have someone who can't act as your central character and you can kind of make a movie. Yeah. Not always. He's charming. Kinda. Yeah. Like I know you hate Burt Young very deeply, but Burt Young? He is Polly. Oh. I mean, I don't <laughs> I enjoyed him here. He was Yeah. This was exactly his wheelhouse. They said, we need you to hit a single, and he hit a single. Exactly, yeah. It's like you set him up for exactly what he needed to do. He hit it out of the park. Bases are loaded. We just need you to get to a base. And he was like, sounds like me. A a walk's as good as a hit. (laughs) Yeah. Just just get on base. Ain't no shame in a walk. Yeah. Get hit by the pitch. It's fine. Uh, Yeah, That seems like that would be, like, if, 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 uh, what's his name? Bert, what? Burt Young. If Burt Young was a character in Backyard Baseball, his his like secret move would be to lean and get hit by the ball, and you yeah, automatically oh, get a base. He'd have he'd have like forty different pieces of equ- uh, protective equipment strapped to. If you have two, if you have two strikes and you're and you're swinging with him, he automatically gets hit, and you get a free base. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So you got you got, you got you got Burt Young. Later we have uh, M. Emmett Walsh. Great. Adrian Barbeau day. shows up for the first few minutes. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, the uh, Dean Martin, which is a bad joke. This movie is. Really I love that bad. joke. It's exactly the right level of stupid. Oh, it, it totally fits this movie. But the, I feel that they love it a lot more in the movie than anyone would. Like, you'd be like, oh, that's funny. And then it's like, I think there's four Dean Martins in this. So he says it the first time and then kind of like makes a face like, oh, that is you are a Dean Martin. Huh. And then yeah. they say his name, but they don't re- react to it until the very last time when uh, I think it's RDJ and him. He's like, Dean Martin. And they're like, Dean Martin. That's funny. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that seemed I was like, that seems like exactly the right amount because we get it. We yeah. we we hear what you're saying. We get it. Precisely. And uh, Dean Martin is Ned Beatty. Oh, right. So you you, you, you fill the cast up with good character actors. Zabka. Yeah, well, yeah, you got a couple. Of, I put he's in the second category to me, which is like young, hungry, which is your Zabka, your RDJ. See, I would argue that like Zabka kind of is a character actor. Like you, when he you need now. when you need a but like when you need a bully, like you need an aggressive, like hunky rich bully. That's who you're grabbing. He's yeah, a, no, of he's your top cut. That's or, his whole yeah. That's his whole that's his whole steez. That's his that's his entire decade. Yeah, but like to me, like when I think also think character actor, I'm like someone who is a character. Like you grab him I when you, you want okay. that character. So we we cut from the flashback to modern day. We make too many fat jokes in this commercial. Is like the joke is Rodney Dangerfield owns a big and tall store, but it's called like Fat and Round or Tall and wide. Fat. Tall and Fat. Okay. Uh, really, just like it sh- I feel like it should have been huge and fat because like tall isn't isn't like mean, but fat right. is not a night like. Big and tall is like the sort of nice way of saying it, but like, I mean, like giant and fat, like seems like the, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it would fit more in the tone here because he's just like rattling off his fat jokes. It helps that he's a portly man. Yes, yeah, he is. He he when he takes his shirt off, he's less big than I thought he would be. Yeah, he's got that kind of um, William Shatner in Star Trek, like yes, like barrelly, yeah, doughy barrelly, but like. If he punched you, you'd you'd probably go down. Yeah. 
I like that uh, the big the tall and fat store also has a women's department with moo's and caftans. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's uh that tracks. <laughs> yeah. So we cut from this cheese ball commercial to uh, his big business meeting, and one of the products is melon patch kids, which are cabbage patch kids that aren't grown but were abandoned. And he's like, "All right," and are also fat. Unit down. Yeah. Oh, also very fat. And then so, Arnie from Christine is here. That's right. That's exactly what I wrote him down as too. He's also uh, I only know this because I just watched it this past weekend, but he's also in Jaws too. Oh, that's right. He wears a hat, right? He does wear a hat, indeed. That's like his character. Shakespeare at one point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Better movie than I remembered. Not a great movie, but better than I remembered. It's a solid. It's it's way more of a solid follow up than any of the others. Like yes, they. It's it's a a real uh, what is it? Diminishing returns. Oh yeah, it's also uh, two solid hours, which is twenty minutes too much for that particular movie. But yeah, well, this is not a Jaws two podcast. Also, uh, stay tuned, Christine definitely coming at some point. Oh yeah, for sure. So we find out that he's lying to his dad. He's not really on the dive team. He's just the towel boy, but he ha- doesn't have the heart to tell his dad. So he's just lying on the phone. Mm-hmm. We cut to Adrian Barbeau, or he come Rodney at home. His wife is Adrian Barbeau. They hate each other. <laughs> This was the only thing I don't like about this movie because I didn't see why they were ever married. You know what I mean? Like, normally, it's something we talk about a lot where, like, the trope or the joke is that, like, the couple that hates each other. But I'm like, yeah. you don't just get, like, getting married is not, like, a a quick thing. Like, you have yeah, to really I commit do, to I that. Do, I do wonder, though, like, to some degree, some of that stuff has to be influenced by your like the era that we live in versus the era the movie's made in because we've talked about this a lot and I, i'm sure we've talked about this in the podcast i don't remember but i don't want to belabor this too much in case we have talked about it at length but it's like when you go to the boardwalk there's a whole subset culture of things for sale that's like boy i hate my wife or boy i hate my husband and it's like i don't know they always seem a little bit too mean to be as jokey as people think they are yeah i mean that's one of the few things i'm proud that millennials destroyed like that <laughs> that industry is something i'm proud millenn- like yeah, millennials aren't buying wife, those shirts so, yeah i mean yeah. like if i saw that shirt at if i saw a shirt at like uh, a goodwill that was like i lost 150 pounds she's my ex-wife like yeah i might yeah. buy that shirt second hand because that's a <laughs> stupid joke yeah 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 I, I it just so it's like i wonder if that's part of it is just like you know it, I've I've brought this up a few times with the whole conversation about like people who are sad that like, you know, certain types of business travels going away and certain like, you know, ways the business get done where it's like, oh, you fly out to Arizona and you meet with the the people and they wine and dine you and whatever. And I'm like, I don't know. It seems like I'd rather just pay like $20 less for the product that I'm purchasing for my business than like have to go spend time with this person who I don't care about and pretend that like there's all this like stuff about it. And, And then I was just like, oh, right. Because the guys who are doing that hate their wives and don't want to be home and they hate their kids. And they're like, yes. oh, I can go drink cigar or drink whiskey, smoke cigars, have a steak in a different state. Great. Take me out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also just give that money to your employees. Give that money you're going to spend on stupid, expensive dinners for people to your employees. Right. Exactly. But anyway, so I, I do buy that they would hate each other because I think it's very much like... She married a rich old fart thinking he would die and he hasn't died yet. And he was lonely. And I think I, I, I think I wanted to hear something along those lines. Like, like, that's what we got in. um, What was the Danny DeVito? Bette Midler joint we just did. 
just did three months ago. Rain wants to say no, ruthless uh, people. Uh, no, that's the other one. No, that's that no, one. No, that is no, no, it is that one. That is like we get very clearly like he hates her, but he explicitly is like I married her because her dad is rich, and I thought he was gonna die, and he didn't. Yeah, great. Yeah. Now I understand why you're in a marriage with someone you hate. I think I wanted that here, but also I'm just glad to see Adrian Barbo. She was just in. Um, by the time you hear this, listeners, it's gonna be a while. Uh, American Horror Stories on Netflix. She was in the third oh. episode, um, which is so far the best episode. There's only been five but i haven't seen her in forever i'm glad she's still working she's great i mean it's a small part it's a but it's it's um about a cursed uh movie that gets played at a drive-in and she's like owns the drive-in she's like the gruff whatever oh that's fun mm-hmm. and i like geeked out when i saw her name in the credits my boyfriend was like who and i was like scream queen adrian barbeau <laughs> former mrs john carpenter come on the former mrs swamp thing yes and the only female credit in the thing. <laughs> That's right. She's a voice on a tape recorder. No, uh, she's the voice of the chess me- the chess game. Oh, right, 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 right. Okay, well, narrow difference. Um, he grabs a beer because they're only serving martinis and champagne. My kind of party. The guy yeah, was like, yeah, only was- martinis and champagne. I was like, where do? Where's my invite for this party? Yeah, I felt the same way. I was like, I'll take, I'll take two of each, please. Thanks very much. But uh, the. So he catches her cheating on him with some uh, rando or no. Uh, some 80s dude in leather pants. No, it's um, that, that, that he was on Star Trek. Uh, people will be people will know who this man is. Uh, I can't remember his name. Not this people. Top. No, and not on, he was on, uh, I think, like Deep Space Nine. He's uh, was that the one that the girl in this movie is in? Because she was a Star Trek. Girl. I never watched the show. I just knew him. That uh, he looks. He looks like someone else who was also in Star Trek. But anyway, uh, they like have their little back and forth, and he's like, "Oh, clearly I were caught. Uh, I was helping her look for a contact lens or something like that." Uh, but it leads to my favorite scene in the movie with a great jacket. I love this jacket. Oh, the one that Dangerfield's wearing. No, when Dangerfield walks up to the couple looking at the art. The guy is wearing this like red and black motorcycle jacket that's like so gaudy and tacky, but I love it. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, Robert Picardo is the man she is cheating on him with. He's only in this one scene. Um, but Rodney talks about the art, but then he goes to the hors d'oeuvre station and he grabs the roll. Oh, I love and he this. Cuts it open. And then he does the fat guy move, which is you take your fingers and you clear out the top of the sandwich loaf to make more space for fillings. And I remember the first time I did that and my girlfriend saw me, she's like, what are you doing? And I was like, making more room for sandwich. And she was like, but bread, I was like, this bread on, it will be on the side. Then I will have more meat in here, which is better. Some people do the squish. They squish down so that the, yeah, it's I, all in I there. Don't like, I don't like a squish because you, you ruin the integrity of the bread. I like a good, solid, crusty bread. Personally, not this is not like a hill I'll die on. But yeah. I, you know, but you know, he takes it out and he starts shoving hors d'oeuvres in there. And then he calls a waiter over to help him hold it together so he can cut the sandwich. I just love this thing. It's it like, feels very I, John Candy. Like the the timing of this oh, yeah, feels yeah. very John Candy. One hundred percent. I could totally see him doing this same gag, and it's just it's just like everyone's watching him, and it's this mixture of. Huh, I wish I had the guts to do that. I'd love to eat a sandwich right now. I'm so hungry and all these foods are so tiny. And every, and then a little bit of disgust. Yeah. But like, it's his house. So you'd think that there would be no, like, people would at least pretend that like, it's cool. Like, it's, you're in his house. 
Right, right. I think if he wants to do it, you guys just have to be like, yeah, okay, whatever you say, boss. So he's uh, chowing down on his big old sandwich and Adrian Barbeau tries to introduce people to him. And he's, you know, he's Rodney Dangerfield about it. Yeah, he's a dick. <laughs> and so they go inside and he's like, they're ultimately it just comes with like, great, let's divorce. And when she's like, I'm going to take your money. He's like, well, here's Polaroids of you cheating on me. So no, <laughs> yeah, you're not. I love that. It's there's also he also uh, just before he leaves to go have this fight with her, he turns to the couple he has just been insulting and he looks at the guy and he's like, hey, watch my sandwich, would you? <laughs> It's just, it feels ad-libby, but like a good one, like I know. in the moment of the movie. I almost wish yeah. he took the sandwich with him. It would have been funnier, I think, if he he was like, you know what? And then he went back and grabbed it. Also, yeah. it would have been a good punch out there. Because then he can ha- have Adrian Barbeau hold the sandwich while he pulls out the Polaroids. <laughs> yeah, that would have been good. And then she could have like dropped it and he could have gotten upset about, more upset yeah. about the sandwich than the cheating. He could, she could throw it and he could be like, oh, my sandwich. <laughs> I got so many stuffed mushrooms in there. Yeah, it looked like, so I I couldn't, it looked like, it ends with deviled eggs, which like, I'm here for a genius. deviled egg sandwich. Genius. I've never thought of it before. It's a genius. You've never had a deviled egg sandwich? No. Maybe it's something, because mom and I talked about it recently, that she was, it's something that her dad ate, I think, was deviled egg sandwiches, because they served it in some like, um, count, lunch counter. Okay. thing that he used to go to so she ate it and, she, and we had a discussion that she made it for me a couple times so maybe it just like skipped a generation and she was so just I like i didn't eat eggs until i was like much older. that's what it was so i that would have been it but now yeah. I'll, I'm, yeah. a deviled so egg I, sandwich is a little thing you don't think about but yeah no try it's it. genius i had a friend in college who always used to say that like they never had the gumption but they always were like you know one of these times i'm gonna be at this diner and they're gonna be like how do you want your eggs i'm gonna say deviled <laughs> I would love to do that because I think it would. If you had the white, the the correct attitude from the waiter or waitress, they would probably just laugh and be like, "Okay, how do you really win your eggs?" You know, or they would be like, "We have hard boiled in the backs." Like if I, I feel like if it was like yeah, a, yeah. if I was a regular at a diner and I did that, they might, they might be like, "Okay, we'll yeah. we'll devil two eggs, we'll devil, we'll cut one in half, and you get two deviled eggs, buddy." <laughs> yeah, I don't know, I, I. I I love a deviled egg. There's something that's like really hot on restaurant menus now. And I'm always kind of horrified at how much they charge for a deviled egg. So I'm like, this is a, this is a boiled egg that you add a little mayo and mustard to the yolk. It's not a complete. It's like, oh, it's $14 for three half eggs. I'm like, all right, come on now. Yeah, that's what what are we doing here? But yeah, I'm, I'm going to give this a try. I got to figure out the right sandwich to add it to, but I love it. <laughs> well, honestly, the ones that I had when I was younger were just deviled egg. It was just deviled eggs in bread. Yeah, I it's mean, like I'm an sure egg salad. Good. It's like an egg salad sandwich. Right. See, that's my beef. Is like if I'm gonna do what you're describing, I'd probably just make egg salad. But if I had like some really nice ham or maybe some like prosciutto, even and then there you go, the deviled egg. Now you're cooking. So um, he goes outside to take a, a swim after Adrian Barbeau leaves, and Burt Young's hanging out on the uh, Chase Lounge. They're talking to each other, and this is the first. Does, does Burt Young change his clothes this whole movie? No, I not. feel like it's always the same outfit, and I kind of like it. So here's what happened: They were like, "Okay, we have the budget to give Burt Young and Rodney Dangerfield, or uh, Burt Young and Robert Downey Jr." I'm going to do that at least five times in this podcast. So a drink every time that happens. Uh, 
they we have enough budget to give each of them the normal amount of movie clothes, which is like three outfits. And the director was like, what if instead we gave Robert Downey Jr. 50 outfits and Burt Young just had the one? And mm-hmm. so Burt Young had to wear that same shirt for like four weeks of shooting. He had just, he's unbuttoning the, the, the jacket a little or the, the collar a little and loosening the tie, trying to get comfortable. Yeah, he's just doing little things to switch up. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Robert Downey Jr. spends six hours a day in the hair, makeup, and wardrobe tents. Hair sp- giving him color sprays and all that. Yeah. Yeah. It's torture. Genuine torture. But yeah, he's he wears the same uh, chauffeur's cap, uh, collared shirt. This It's unbuttoned while he's by the pool. Black pants and black shoes. I don't think he even takes the shoes off for most of the... Like, he's by the pool. I don't think so. And he's got, like, a brown leather jacket, I think. Yeah, yeah. But this is the first instance we get of Rodney Dangerfield's stunt double. And it's like... I love it. It's so it's so bad as to have to be on purpose, right? It like, is. It reminds me of Elvira, which we'll get to eventually. There's a scene yeah. where they Elvira does the flash does the maniac flash dance, and it's just hundred percent not her. But right, they do right, the right. Roddy Dangerfield thing that they do at the end where it's just like a quick a quick insert shot of his face. Like it's her on her head like I she's probably just like holding her hands over her head and they flip the footage so it looks like she's doing a handstand. But like, mm-hmm. it's that level of stupid and I love it. Right. I mean, it's it, to, to my mind, it's like we're making a comedy here. We Let's all know just, what we're doing. Yeah, like, yeah. And you're, and you're I, setting up late to, sh- to pay off that Roddy Dangerfield is an Olympic level diver at, I don't know, <laughs> what, 55? being yeah. generous uh, i think 60 is easy here uh he does he does a front flip into this pool from just like nothing like just like casual just standing on the edge flip. but i was thinking like man you know if they made this now it would be first they would the new version of this would be robert de niro 100 right like there's no other there's no other actor it could possibly be i think so i just don't i mean oh. Sorry, you know, for the De Niro army. I don't think he's like, I wouldn't think of him as that kind of funny. Like he is, like he can be funny, but like, I don't think of him as the Rodney Dangerfield. Yes. Yeah. He does comedies. He is not a comedian. I I Exactly. I don't know who. 64 when they filmed this, by the way. Okay. I don't know who I would put in this category contemporaneously. We don't really have anybody, but that's why. The closest would be like Adam Sandler in 10 years. Yeah, yeah, but it would be it would be De Niro because he's the only like old funny man we have, and they would CGI him much like they did for the Irishman, but he would be doing like triple flips, and it would be like his face superimposed. I think that's what worse. they. I think that's what they did for this Netflix show called Spinning Out because they got like the they have the leads, but then they were like, we're actually gonna get like Johnny Weir and actual skaters to fill out the rest of the cast. But anytime wow. it's like the real the actual like lead characters, I'm like, if I play this slowly, that looks like a one of those jib jabs. Yeah, exactly. And I, I like people, I guess, are more fooled by this than me. But I find it really bizarre when you jib jab the face of the famous person onto the stunt double. It always takes me out of the movie, especially uh, the movie's not very good to begin with. But or at least I didn't like it very much. But it was one of those Kingsman's. It was my, I, actually, you know what? I only saw the first one. So it was the, the Kingsman. And there's a scene where they have Colin Firth, who's like, I don't know, 60 years old now, 65 years old, which is like not a knock on Colin Firth. But there's a moment where he does like a backflip and they have him, they, they, they jib jabbed his face on there. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I know what Colin Firth looks like. And it's not this. this is one not of the only Colin times I, I haven't minded it is in Jurassic Park for Lex's stunt double. 
I honestly uh, have never noticed that. I don't think so. They, they it, did a jib jab in nineteen. Yeah, when they're in, when they're crawling at the end in the um, the air, the air duct, and then um, the raptor pushes up, and then she falls through. Yeah. There's a shot. There's an overhead shot of the raptor hitting the floor and uh, the the actress falling, and the stunt double was supposed to like fall and keep her head down, but she like instinctively just lifted her head, and so they had to rotoscope or whatever uh ariana richard's face onto there and like it's only for like two seconds max but like you can't tell yeah are you googling uh, it right now is that no 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 i i just i've never seen that but i've never noticed it before i've watched that movie a lot of times in a lot of situations so good on them honestly it probably was done manually and took forever so it probably looks a little better oh yeah uh, we get a synthastic 80s song here called, like, Get Lucky or Time to Get Lucky. No, it's called Back to School. Okay, the lyrics well, are Back get, to School. But he says Get Lucky a whole bunch of times. That's what I kept noticing. So maybe... I, oh, I just noticed the end. It was like, Back to School. And I was like, I know theme songs. <laughs> you gotta love a, you know, a random theme song placed 30-odd minutes into the movie. Uh, he, of course... Does some light sexual, uh, uh yeah, sexual it's a sex crime. He does some light, it's sex a, it's here. a definite sex crime. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, know if it's it assault, is. yeah, but it's it, he goes into a sorority, it's house not good, it's, yeah, I know that much. <laughs> it's like there's a version of this that's less yucky. That the, the version of this they would do now if they did this joke would be like he walks in, there's a bunch of screams, and he comes running out. But yes. instead, the what the part that makes this really yucky to me is so he goes, he hears the shower running, and he like barges into the shower, which is weird. If he also, it's also extremely weird if he thinks it's his kid. He doesn't think it's his kid. He thinks it's a. He thinks he's in the frat house. Right, but he like pulls open the shower on someone in the shower, and he thinks it's his son's friends or his son. I thought. No, he doesn't think it's his son because he, he says, "I need some help here." So he was just gonna look at some dong, which like, hey, <laughs> you know. Respect. I mean, he's of the era where it's like this guy's naked the moment he crosses the locker room. Oh, he does not wear clothes in a gym <laughs> locker room. Right. It's like he puts his foot up on a bench. Ah, uh-huh, he's and just blow drying himself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He is. He is one hundred percent completely naked in the gym locker room. Like as soon as he crosses that door, he's shedding his clothes so he can just strut around naked. But so I guess that's why he does this. But he like ogles this lady and then goes for the second one to be like hey this, you got great breasts because he he, he opens it and then we get the insert the other side shot of him he's doing his danger field eyes and yeah, then he yeah. shuts the curtain and i was like all right that was not good but it wasn't terrible and then he's like I'm, i didn't see anything and then opens the curtain again i was like well now what <laughs> And so what really makes the part of this that I was like, all right, I don't, I'm, I'm, you're losing me as a modern audience member is then like, he's walking with a cop who's like, oh, gee, Mr. What, Mr. Mellon, like nothing to worry about here. You just, you know, barged into this sorority house uninvited and ripped open the curtain of a woman showering. Nothing to, nothing to be concerned about. Don't worry about it. I'm like, all right, I, this is a little much like yeah. you're taking this guy to unlikable to me. Yeah, because then he pays off the cop, and I was just like, blah. He, that's the thing. He doesn't pay off the cop because he's constantly tipping everybody. So I, I guess in his mind, he's not 
paying him off, but that's what he did. No, he I, I, absolutely he hands this cop money, but it doesn't seem to be like a quid pro quo, like, here's some money, we'll make this go away. The cop is already like, don't worry about it. And then he's like, gee, thanks, buddy. Take your wife out to dinner. Buy us some yeah. roses. I mean, either way, it's see it it Yeah, I agree. I'm not I'm just I'm quibbling because later in the movie he's just he's just always tipping people. He's Which I like that. Like, like that's a yeah. fun character. Like exactly. more that. More yeah. that less sex crimes. I was that's the thing I was like oh man like if this is all this this is gonna be a bummer and it's really just this one scene which like you know if you made this movie now you just wouldn't put it in there so it was like kind of you could also easily cut this like this this scene doesn't add like right basically cut it from he he throws open the shower cut to the outside in a scream and then cut to the police officer being like sorry about the look Mr. Mellon blah 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 already you don't feel as gross about it right right it's just the way to get some boobs in this movie. There's just yeah. like, we need more boobs, which is funny because later they throw the big party and he's in the hot tub with all these bibs and the they're all wearing bikinis. And I was like, all of these women should be topless because it would make more sense for this moment. Mm-hmm. Like, or like it should have been like in this movie about to take their, their like their bra off or their top off as what's her face walks in. Yeah, yeah. Like, that would make a lot more sense to me. Whatever. I don't care. Like, I, I, 13-year-old me was like, hey, boobs. I was probably very excited about it. Oh, yeah. Which is who this movie is for. And then there's a great moment where RDJ... So Robert Downey Jr. is full peacock here. Waxing about Marxism and how our, our, money, our money-based society. And I'm like, oh, if only you knew that in 30 years... You would play Tony Stark and be owned by the Walt Disney Corporation for 15 years. Uh, uh, Only 13. Only 13. It's long enough. He he made so he had the whomever his lawyer was got him the greatest contract that anyone has ever gotten. He was getting 50 mil for those movies Mm -hmm. each. Genius. His cats have their own wing of the house. Yeah, I believe it. He he uh he made fifty million dollars to stand on some green boxes wearing a green shirt with the football pads on that kind of look like Iron Man armor. Like I'll I'll do I'll do that for a lot less. <laughs> Thanks very much. Yeah, I always love seeing the in because they do. There's the shot when they do the shots of the people inside the Iron Man armor, and then you see behind the scenes, and they're literally just standing on the green screen, surrounded by pin lights that uh-huh. make lights happen on their face. And I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> not not great, not super fun to do, I'm sure. So he surprises. Uh, he's hiding in his son's room, which is kind of a weird move. Uh, and then they have this whole like back and forth. Like, I can't do it, Dad. I gotta drop out. It's funny that he catches his son fully lying to him about everything in yes. college and is in no way mad. No, he's like, hey, you lied to women, not your father. <laughs> it's just like, oh, well, that explains a lot about the wife situation, I guess. Yeah, like if this were a real father, it would be like, oh, why don't, why don't you walk me over to your, vo- to your the volleyball, Jesus Christ, to your diving team. I want to see the locker room. Narrow mm-hmm. eyes. Like, how far are you going to take this lie, kid? Yeah, and instead it's just like, oh, you know, it's no big deal. I still love you. Yeah, no matter what. Like, and it's it's kind of nice. Like it's a loving relationship you don't see a lot in movies. It's very sweet, but it's just weird that he like catches him in a lie and he's like, ah, whatever. And I'm like, there needs to be some stakes about this. Yeah, yeah. 
But so they go for a walk on the quad and, he, and he's like, well, what if I did it with you? That's it. I'll go back to school. And then he's like, oh, dad. And they hug. It's like the, the energy is kind of all over the place. Uh, it is. We cut We cut to Dean Martin's office. And this exchange I thought was actually kind of awesome between the two of them. Well, the whole time I'm like, okay, I know that we in 2021, we saw Lori Laughlin and Felicity Huffman and uh-huh, whatever. Uh-huh. But even still, I'm like. You're a rich, he's a rich white man who in universe is the most charming person anyone's ever met. He would have zero problem being like, I'm coming to your college as a student. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like, I think the beef people had with the Lori Laughlin thing was not, oh, the rich people donated money and got their kid into school because that's been going on for eternity. And I don't, I mean, that also sucks. That's not great, but yeah. But it was the whole insane subterfuge of like pretending they were like good at some obscure sport and then taking a scholarship position and then not participating in the sport. And it's just like this convoluted thing. It was just like, this sucks for like a whole number of yeah. reasons as opposed to one, which is like, oh, rich get what they want. I mean, you, yes, but also like being rich is a big key element of that because you, you gave Steven Singer. 75 million dollars and he's like all right cool your kids getting into this stupid college yeah yeah i'm gonna I mean, say they're it's... black on the application <laughs> it's interesting that you have like the level of rich you have to be to pay your way into college now is such that Lori laughlin cannot afford to do that yeah like you got to be by a building rich which is like hundred million dollar donation oh yeah and i don't think she i don't think her full house residuals Ooh. are no, I'm sure that she's comfortable. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure she's comfortable. Every rich person's favorite word. Yeah. <laughs> We're comfortable. Uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, I really do like that, like Ned Beatty being like, I don't think I can do this. And then smash cut. Smash cut. Delivering, <laughs> delivering a gibberish speech at a groundbreaking of just like, you know, business is important. It clearly, it clearly has been two hours since oh, this. Yeah. Like, he yeah. was like, "Here's a check for eight hundred million dollars to build a building." Yeah, and put me in your school. And he was like, "Well, I guess here, here you're gonna slap up this sign." And <laughs> they called, "Excuse me, printing department, can you get me like a four by six sign that says future site of uh, business administration building?" Great, or maybe he just carries those around in his car. Yeah, maybe. Do we still have the silver groundbreaking shovel in storage? Awesome. Okay, I'm going to need a patch of dirt to dig into. And then the business school dean, who had big um, Attenborough energy. Yeah, I would agree. Um, is like, this will never do, blah, 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 blah. This is a sully on the name of education. I was like, where were you for Lori Laughlin? <laughs> where were you at UCLA, I think? It wasn't even UCLA. It was that was the other thing is like you were cheating to get your kid into like state school and like maybe they're just not good enough for that. That's okay. It's like one thing to lie and get into Harvard. It's quite another thing to lie to get into like. Yeah. Like if you're lying to get into like Westchester University. Exactly. Look at your life and look at your choices. The uh, the the snooty dean is played by Paxton Whitehead, who's a big Broadway guy. And uh has also been in a ton of like television and movies, usually playing like snooty. Doofy he has the look. Yeah, he's he's plays snooty English guys. That's like his whole steez. Probably played a lot of butlers. Oh, yeah. Butlers like he he he. if he hadn't been taken by uh, Tim oh, Curry. And I forgot that. No, I mean, Tim Curry would totally be what I was gonna say. He totally could have been Richie Rich's butler if that role wasn't taken by the other snooty rich uh, Attenborough rich actor. 
Isn't that Attenborough? Is that Attenborough? No, it's not Attenborough. It's um, the Isn't, guy it's from Jumanji. Yeah. Isn't that an Attenborough? Attenborough? Is there three Attenboroughs? I thought. I think I he's an Attenborough. I know of two. I know of. Uh, I know There's of David, and I know of Richard. Yes, and David is the naturalist, and Richard is is Richard Hammond. Yeah, is uh, John Hammond. Yes, yes. I swear, I know that Jumanji guy is an Attenborough. No, it's Jonathan Hyde. We went over Jonathan this recently. We probably He's come did up on the podcast very recently, and I was like, I don't remember what it was. Oh, because Jonathan Hyde is an anaconda, maybe. And we have yeah, to- I was gonna say, <laughs> knowing us, it was probably that he was an anaconda. Get the back on the tracks. <laughs> a, a Jonathan Hyde type on the rails. <laughs> At the point where we're having Jonathan Hyde IMDb breaks, we gotta we gotta pull <laughs> breaks. And we gotta stop. It's been break. a while. We gotta we gotta I know, we gotta I know. grease these wheels. We're barreling towards insanity if we're having long Jonathan Hyde discussions again. <laughs> Welcome to the Jonathan Hyde cast. <laughs> I'm Jonathan Hyde. Um, so this sets up the slob v snob plot. We've got snooty British professor who doesn't think this guy's worth a damn. And we've got Rodney Dangerfield who is obscenely rich, but also completely uncouth. Yeah. Um, also, I know you are not that much older than me, but and so I don't expect you to know the answer to this question. Is this how people used to sign up for classes? Oh my god! I like had, Jesus I was, Christ! This was so stressful to watch. I could not. The idea that it was like a job fair and it was just yes. everyone was at a table and you just stood in a line. So this is the thing. I can't think of a more fair way to do it. I mean, on the online one is just as fair, right? But online didn't exist. It was. I know. No, no, no. I mean, oh, I thought you meant like. I thought you were saying that it's like we should still be no, doing this. No, 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 no. I was no, like, I'm saying, no, I'm I like, think the system we have now is also fair. I, in 1985, I can't think of a more equitable way to do this. Or it would have been like a lottery system. Like, But see, the problem with that is the person who gets first choice in the lottery gets all of their first choice classes, which is intrinsically kind of unfair. No, no, no. I mean, each class is a lot. Like, you, there, it doesn't matter when yeah, you get in would, line. That would work. Every, yeah. every, if you want to have this class, you put your name, put your name in the your bingo ball and the thing. Yeah, and yeah, I guess that would probably be more fair. I would think that like this at least is like you just got to go stand in line and line and sign up for what you want. It just yeah, seems I, this, it's so stressful. If you're out there and you you know the answer to this, I, please, uh, it's at dissect the eighties on Twitter. Like, let us know if this was how you signed up for college classes because I have to know this answer. Yeah, I mean, like it's been I don't know what ten years since I've been in a college class at this point. Yeah, I took I think four or five classes a semester. Maybe that sounds probably right. Five. Probably fine. Yeah, that sounds right. So, like, the idea that you, you stand in the one line, like, let's say you're, you know, the one line takes two hours, then, like, so you're only, it's like getting in Disney World Fast Pass. You just be like, we want one. And if we get yeah. others, that's, you know, frosting. I do, I do think that's what, that's what it would be. It's like, okay, you really want to take astronomy. So you wait in the line for astronomy. And, like, maybe you get a friend to wait in line for something else for you and you sign up for each other or. Uh, you get your first choice of a class and then everything else you're just kind of scrambling to fill in. My first couple of, not my first semester, because you made the decision before you went to the campus, but I think, I do definitely remember at some point or another, and this might've been because I knew that I wanted to go into the journalism program, but I didn't get in immediately as a freshman when I was at Maryland. And so Mm -hmm. I was undeclared. And then I like, 
my friends were all in journalism and I was just basically like, can you photocopy for me the sheet that you have? Or I, I, I don't remember if I, I got a copy of the like, here's how to make your schedule to be a journalism major. And I basically took like everything that wasn't journalism so that when I got into, if I got into the journalism program, I would just, I backload all the journalism classes. So instead of having like a blended schedule, I had like a complete gen ed schedule for two years and then a complete journalism schedule for two years. But I do remember meeting with a counselor and them like talking to me about classes, but I'm pretty sure I had already selected them at that point. And I like, maybe they helped me get into a waiting list or something for something else. So I remember my second half of college, 100%, it was like the the tickets go on sale at midnight kind of thing. Everybody staying up and then like frantically trying to slam into all the classes you wanted to get. See, I don't remember that because I, so my um, person, counselor no not what's advisor was the chair of my department gotcha and so like he and his secretary ferna who is like the best woman ever basically when you're freshman year they were like we've mapped out all the classes you're going to take each semester to graduate you can sort of fiddle with it if you want but you can just take these classes in this order and then okay be done you didn't have to sign up for them at that point they did i don't remember i I don't remember signing up like i'm sure i had to for like gen eds and stuff but also like i remember i'm i don't remember correctly i'll have to text some friends i remember ferna doing a lot for you if you wanted like she would just like get you into the classes because she had she'd been she'd been at the school forever like at westchester so like she had clout and she could be like, hey, get these get these four theater students into these classes it also makes sense that if you're in a major that's it's uh got if you're in a major like yours where it's like not necessarily 100% like open to everybody that like there's there's some level of like merit that like students who are going to get a little bit of a boost based on their ability like more so than other majors like an actor yeah. a good actor should get a little bit of preference to get into the good actor class i feel that's not But also thing. for us it was just like everyone your first semester you take acting 1 yeah. Like everyone did that. Right. And then yeah. you could decide like, oh, act. basically you took an acting class each year. So like right. one semester of each year was an acting class, acting one, two, three. And then you could do four if you wanted. But acting four was just like a lot of weird shit that I was like, I, I'm, I got it. I, I, I think we I think we nailed it. Well, what about your gen ed stuff, though, like history and math and science? So like, stuff? I think that was where you could like plug and play. It was like the schedule that they gave you was like, you know, first semester is these three theater classes and then you pick a gen ed kind of thing or whatever so i assume i guess i did have to sign up for those but they were like if you have any trouble you know let us know we'll see what ferna can do we definitely had the 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 free-for-all thing on the computer system because i distinctly remember i just like don't remember like like, i don't remember gen eds in college yeah Yeah. Uh, i distinctly remember the thing of like okay we all need to take a science class what's everyone interested in and then everybody like kind of like picking stuff and it wasn't like exclusively I picked stuff to be with friends but it was advantageous to have friends in a class that you were in one like you could walk to class with them and two like if you didn't understand something you had someone who you would ask questions to so it was was advantageous so it would be like a cluster of I also had a weird thing because the first year I was in college or maybe the first two years I was in college the like the program I was in, you kind of all lived together and we took a lot of overlapping classes with people who shared our spaces, like our dorm space. And so I remember there being like a, okay, 
things it's time to be signed up for class like does everybody want to get together and talk about this stuff and you know these five people are like oh we're going to do astronomy and like these this group of people is like oh we're going to do geology and this group of people is doing a physics class and this group and it was just like okay well let's what time okay and then you try to like pencil your schedule in and then go try to frantically sign up for them hmm. yeah really desperately trying to get into a geology class because I knew four or five people in it and I was struggling with school in general, but science in particular. And I was like, well, I have to take science and these people will help me. I don't, I truly can't remember what gen eds I took. I remember that I had to take a, everyone at Westchester has to take a public speaking class. And I was like, why isn't a theater major exempt from this? (laughs) Like if that's my degree is public speaking, speaking, you dunce. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I do think that this would be the most logical way to do it as insane as it sounds. Like, I just can't think of them. I, th- I still, I think lottery, lottery would have been more fair. And cause it seems I, like you're, I agree with you, you get people but, camping out, but you think of like lottery now as an instantaneous digital thing and, and running a lottery back then was laborious. Well, no, you just get the ticket wheels the, or the ticket rolls. Right, but then you have to be like, okay, the people who won the lottery for Astronomy 101, Tuesdays and Thursdays, Professor Farnsworth, are 1894653. No, they, you write your name on the back. Okay, but they have to then draw 40 names, and then they have to then do another lottery for the same class at 11 a.m. instead of 10 a.m. Like, at a big college, this is, might be part of it, too, is I went to the state school. I went to Maryland. Undergrad was like 28,000 people. Like, there was... 10 astronomy classes at 10 yeah i guess i'm not thinking in bigger terms because again theater classes were all theater like we yeah all took the same classes all partied the same place all did the same shit like we constantly were together yeah so like i had i my freshman year i had multiple classes with two or three hundred people in one class i don't think i think i might have had one or two classes like that ever i i only took them in my freshman year but i took several like giant lecture hall classes yeah, like I said, I, maybe one or two. Yeah, theater was always a different major. Like we call, we were on a first name basis with all of our professors, and like other people thought that was super weird. I was yeah. like, oh, Harvey, and they were like, who? And I was like, they're like the chair of your department, and I was like, yeah, Harvey, and they're like, he's a doctor, and I was like, I know, but he's Harvey, and they were like, <laughs> that's weird, and I was like, I don't know, yeah, yeah, whatever, if it works for Harvey, he's a doctorate in Shakespeare, and <laughs> everyone loves the man, but he's Harvey. Yeah. He looks and sounds like Droopy Dog. <laughs> but yeah, I love I love this little gambit. So like first they let the cute girl cut in line, the you know, the crush of Arnie from Christine, and then uh Zabka wants to cut and they're like, mm, actually Well, okay. She, she 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 is not cool because Zabka's like, Can I jump in line with you? And she's like, Well, it's actually their spot, so it's up to them. And I was like, Girl, you know what you're doing. Like you're not dumb. I mean, I thought it was great to give RDJ the opportunity to tell Zavka to go pound sand. I mean, it is. But also, she could have been like, no, I don't think that's fa-. Like, she didn't have to admit that they let her jump. I guess. She already got the advantage. At least she's copping to it. Yeah, I, I would have been like, no. But there's a big commotion, and there's, like, people whispering to each other, and suddenly the entire room empties out. And we cut outside, and it's Burt Young just holding up a plain white piece of paper that says, Bruce Springsteen outside Dangerfield's limo, and everyone is losing their effing minds. It's so fun. It's funny, because I was like, oh, it makes sense that, like, I was trying to think what celebrity people would pick that would get the most amount of people out of a room today. And I don't know who it would be. Kardashian. 
I was thinking Lady Gaga, like I was thinking other musical act kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, biggest celeb in the world is definitely Kim Kardashian right now. I hate it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not a fan either, but she's 100% the biggest star in the world. I got into such an argument with a, with a doctor at my old job because he referred to Kylie Jenner as a self-made billionaire. And I was like, in what fucking world is she self-made? Because he, he was like, oh, I think she's a great role model. She's a self-made. And I was like... I was like, if you start at step 20, it's not impressive to make it to 25. Like, (laughs) when you start at the top of the ladder, it's not impressive that you made it onto the roof. Like, what are you talking about? You're a doctor. (laughs) People, because people are easily swayed, man. And like that whole, that was her, like that was the marketing around her is, oh, she's self-made, the first self-made billionaire under the age of whatever. And it's like, again, like by whose definition is this woman self-made? I'm not trying to take anything away from her. Obviously she makes, the family makes good business decisions and they've all been very lucrative for them. But like, come on. Yeah. I was so, I, I, I got, I got, I got heated. And I was like, you are way bigger than me. I need to not get heated in this moment. But what is wrong with you? <laughs> You're very wrong. Um, I love this gag. So they're walking down the hallway. This this guy is all covered in paint. And it's like, oh, Mr. Mellon, I hope it's up to your standards. And he's like, oh, of course it is. Um, you guys do the best work. You know what? Add, add a party for your crew and tack it onto the bill and I'll pay for it. Uh, which I, it's, it's nice. He's cool. I love the, I love how free he like is with his money. Cause I think that makes it very approachable. Yeah. Uh, like, or in terms of it as an audience member, being like, yeah, I like him. Yeah. But I love, love, love this gag of they all, Oh, the three doors. All, yeah. Yeah. They all hit the doors of what they think is their separate dorm rooms, except Rodney must know. And he's like, Oh, well, I'll, I'll I'll catch up with you guys in a minute. And then they all three perfectly timed open the doors and step into this giant party room that he's created. It's great. Because everyone, I think everyone in college had that fantasy of like, yeah. if we get rooms next to each other, we could, we're, we'll knock them down and then we'll do one, <laughs> yeah. one giant room. Yeah, exactly. He also, we'll in the, we missed, we skipped, we lost it. Yeah, these cinder block walls. In the bookstore... His son and RDJ are buying used books, and he's like, "Yeah." He's like, "No, you got to get new books." And then he's like, "Put them on this credit. I'll pick a credit card." And then he says, "Everyone in the bookstore, books are on me." And I was like, "Were books not as expensive back then as they <laughs> as they are now? Because books are expensive." Yeah, I thought he was gonna say like one thing is on me, like a particular book or whatever. But he's like just blanketly buying for everybody. Uh, totally insane. They must have been expensive back then because they were buying used books. And if there's not, if books weren't expensive, used books wouldn't be a thing. Yeah, but maybe it wasn't as expensive because now it's like $400. You have to pay $400 to read a textbook your teacher wrote. Yeah, and he's gonna re- are, use twenty minute, twenty pages out of it. Textbooks are such a fucking scam. I had a pr- professor who made us buy the proof editions of his as yet unpublished second edition, and then you couldn't sell them back because they were proof editions, and the proof edition cost two hundred dollars. I I'm still mad about it. It was uh I'm ten years ago at minimum. I feel like I would have split it with someone. You needed the CD. Are you fucking kidding me? Yep. You had everyone had to buy the book individually and you couldn't buy it used because it came with a, a CD at the time to do the homework. 
It's a racket. Education oh, it's, is a it's fucking horseshit. racket. It's horseshit. Textbooks in particular are complete horseshit. I also just recently found out that they publish foreign versions of a lot of American textbooks that are the same thing, but just the, like they're in English, but they the cover is in a different language. And it's the same book, but you can buy them online for like a fraction of the cost because people are like, oh, this must be in Spanish or whatever language. Oh, brilliant. I love that. Yeah. But yeah, it's a it's a it's a scam. I mean, it's just it's, textbooks are a scam. That's all it is. It's just an absolute scam. Yeah, it's horseshit. So we get to um, the first class with the business school dean, and right off the bat, Dangerfield's making good points. Yes, extremely good points. I was I was very like, if you're trying to teach people business as a, as a practical, useful course, the stuff Dangerfield is saying makes a ton of sense. Now, to be fair, like freshman one hundred and one, you should probably start with the basics. But he like I just all the points he's making in this, I'm like, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like everything you've said has not been made up yet. Because first he's like, well, you got to pay p- pay for, you know, permits. And when those don't go through, you got to grease for palms. And then, you know, uh, what did he say? Waste, like waste disposal is like a waste long-term management. thing. You'll have to waste management. You have to pay for long-term, like all the stuff that wasn't on the board. And I was like, these are all really good yeah. points. Like some of them are shady, obviously. And yeah, the professor yeah, gets yeah. mad about that. But then the, he's then when the professor like walks away, he's like, also, why would we build a building when you can rent so much cheaper? And if you're starting a business, you should go with what's cheaper. And I was like, yeah, actually, yeah, yes. That was, <laughs> that was a great point. I was like, yeah, he's he has dunked on you at this part. It almost feels like our dad yes. in a class. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, you're not thinking about this logically. Like, yeah, I guess what you're teaching is not wrong, but still. And then I love the, like, what are we making? VCRs. Oh, you'll get, I think he uses a slur, but he's like, you'll get killed by uh, the the, the, the Japanese. The Japanese. And and then, <laughs> and the guy's like, fine, we'll make widgets. Like, what's a widget? This always drove me nuts. I took some business classes and they were always using widget as a stand-in. And I never had a moment where someone was like, we are going to use this word to just stand in for product. And I remember being like so puzzled about like, what the hell is a widget? And then I was looking it up. I never took a business class, so I didn't have that. I took it in high school too, actually. I remember the high school business teacher doing widgets all over the place. The only business thing I remember is in the gifted program, we had to um, make a toy, like build a prototype Mm -hmm. for a toy and then like cost out like, you know, what we're going to pay people and all that. I don't remember specifics. It was like 15 plus years ago at this point. But yeah, that was the only business thing I ever did. But as someone who's... Careful not to throw your back out bending over to pick up where you just casually dropped a gifted program like NBD. Oh. (laughs) You know what it got me? Depression. (laughs) Depression and anxiety issues. (laughs) Thanks, gifted program. But like as someone who has a theater degree, admittedly, like wouldn't the product matter? Like it should so matter it to matter. know what you're selling because it w- it would in the scenario you're describing where you're trying to make like an accurate business plan. I think what he's trying to do here is teach the basics of like here are the costs that you need to consider where they go into a business and like you know, big. He's doing like a very very big picture thing as opposed to a more granular lesson like Rodney Dangerfield is rightfully pointing out like all these things of well if you're actually going to start a business the things you're teaching are dumb and bad but in the abstract like there are good things to learn yeah i just feel like the the machinery needed to make a doll is different than the machinery needed to make a t-shirt different than the machinery needed to make footballs like that seems like of course yeah those costs and that you know stuff just seems i don't know again i have a theater degree (laughs) right i like i said i think it's more of the idea of 
hey, we're making X widgets and we're going to use this money to stand in for how much it costs to buy the equipment. And then if you were to do like a specific business plan of, oh, I, like I want to make ice cream, you would use what you learned in the widget class to build the business gotcha. plan for the ice cream. You know what I mean? Gotcha. It's like learning to walk before, or crawl before you try to run, basically. Okay, fair. Uh, so then we get this Sam Kinison cameo of him teaching history class where he just does his screaming thing. <laughs> Feels like it. I mean, maybe it's just that I, I'm not, you know, familiar or a fan of his. Yeah. Feels like this could have been cut. <laughs> at the time, I'm sure this was like a big deal. Like Kinison was at the height of his powers here. I'm they almost got fan. Jim Carrey for it. Is that right? I didn't know that. That would yeah. have been more interesting, I feel. Probably. But yeah, it just, I was like, it doesn't really, well, also, the, it doesn't really go anywhere. Like, right, it doesn't. one other scene. Yeah, and it doesn't, like, call back or, like, it's not like, oh, because they build up to this oral exam thing, and then we don't see it. So, right. <laughs> like. We see one, we see one question. Yeah, it was weird. Um, but yeah, the whole, I was just like, I don't know, this professor seems, it seems weird, and he's racist, and, like. Yeah. Just I don't know what he I don't know what he's adding to this this movie. It's literally just oh Rodney probably knew him from the clubs like doing stand up and he wanted to give his buddy a couple of scenes in this movie for a little paycheck and Sam came in and did his comedy thing which was to scream a lot and then that was it. <laughs> I mean that's mm-hmm. that's probably A to Z on this one. Probably. Uh, so then we meet uh, the next professor, Doctor Denise, I think. Yeah, she's the poetry teacher. Yes, and from an episode of Murder She Wrote, because I was like, "Why do I know this woman?" She oh, was in really? an episode. Of, she was in an episode of Murder She Wrote. That's it's Buck Wild because it uh, it's one of the few in, it's one of the only instances in that show where it turns out to all have been a dream. Oh wow! My yeah, Jessica in fiction. Jessica gets bo- well. It's it's a crazy episode, and it, by the end of it, you're like, "This does not feel like Murder She Wrote." And then it ends with she fell asleep at a dinner party, and dreamed it all up oh and it's sort of like i think their explanation is like it's it's how jessica writes her books like she's it's her thought process and her like making something up they just didn't tell you that's what it was got it got it got it um this is surprisingly they are i mean they're very far apart in age they're 16 years apart but they are shockingly closer in age than i expected rodney dangerfield's love interest in this movie to be thank god it was a professor yeah like it could have very easily been some co-ed yes exactly she's actually uh eight years older than adrian barbeau too really yeah Yeah. it's um the actress's name is uh sally kellerman she's in the original mash movie i believe yeah i think that's right yeah uh and a bunch of other stuff as well i think uh she's in a few robert altman things i'm pretty sure she's also in the player but she does this uh is it yates she's reading a yates poem keats I forget who the poet is. She, Joy. Oh, reading. is it Joyce? Joyce. It's Joyce. It's Joyce. Yep. There you go. It's kind of a sexy poem, and Rodney Dangerfield gets all turned to hot and bothered, and then uh, screams out, and it's kind of a good moment. It's kind of like the moment where uh, it's like it's similar to the moment where like someone jerks himself awake from being asleep in class, exactly, and like yeah. knock books over. So we cut outside. It turns out she's dating, or and certainly has seems to have been dating for a long time. Uh, the snooty professor of business who is like proposing to her as a merger acquisition. <laughs> it's just it's, like a huge bummer. Her character was kind of weird because I didn't know who she was interested in at all. And like yeah. obviously, as a woman, like she doesn't have to be interested. Like a woman can just be a woman who exists. Right, right, right. 
But I was this like, this character is clearly the foil of interest. This character is supposed to be something. And I was like, does she not? Because there's late times when he's like, I called you a hundred times, you didn't answer, and she's like, mm, I was busy, and I'm like, so you don't like him? Cool, cool, right. like whatever. Right. And then in the next scene, they're like reading poetry, like hugging, and I'm like, well, wait a minute. Yeah, it's very confusing. She's also really hot and cold with Rodney Dangerfield, where it's like. They're like snuggly and then not, and then they are, and then they aren't. Yeah, it's real hot and cold. Yeah. Um, we also then get a joke that is so close to being homophobic, but like thankfully is not. And it's a joke I enjoy, actually, because I was like, because he shows up in a bathrobe and he, and Arnie is like, you know, dad, they got cha- they got, you know, a locker room here. You could just change before diving practice. And he goes, I never get changed uh, changed with other guys. Next thing you know, you're showering with other guys. And I was like gripping the the <laughs> arm of my chair like, uh-oh, what's it going to be? And then he goes, next thing you know, you're pinned to a sophomore named Chip. And I was like, oh, I like that, actually. That's, <laughs> you know what? We'll take it. <laughs> it's like sort of homophobic, but at least it's funny. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's it doesn't feel homophobic. It feels silly. It feels like yes. making a joke. Yeah, because again, this dude is just walking around naked in the a hundred percent. And I don't, I don't know why I love the uh, Rodney Dangerfield's a great diver bit, but it is just like so delightful. Because right. I think it's because, because it's, it it doesn't make any sense. Like right. it's on paper absurd. If you're writing like a Rodney Dangerfield school movie, like he needs to be good at a sport, you're probably like, I don't know, golf, croquet, rack, uh, not racquetball. What's the badminton? Like, yeah, yeah. Give him some kind of like old white guy sport, and they're like, yeah, how about yeah, yeah. diving? Yes, yeah. I think it's probably because he probably said no to golf because he's in Caddyshack. Oh, fair. He's probably just like, no, we're not doing golf. And then the other part of it is like. Even though he doesn't have to do a lot physically, he does have to like do the first thing before you do the cutaway. And for diving, it's like, okay, you bend your knees a little and you put your arms up straight over your head and then we'll cut. And so he doesn't have to do like if it was tennis. He has to right? jump a little bit maybe. Right, right. But if it was like tennis, like he'd have to be swinging a tennis racket and he's probably just like, I'm too old for this shit. Like it's got to be the least effort for me. But it ends up being the funniest possible choice because again, like very clearly they don't care that the stunt doubles are in Oh, there. God, no. Because when it's when it's a stunt double for Arnie, uh, they do a little more to subterfuge to hide it. Yeah, but when it's Dangerfield, it's like just clearly a weird gray. He drops about guy. twenty pounds when yeah. he jumps off that diving board. I think board. it might be closer to thirty or forty, and then the big old wig is just like flopping around on this actor's head. Yeah, we get MM at Walsh here. He's the dive coach. And they do like some cla- like old white guy banter. It's just like, oh, I'm also from New Jersey. Oh, you know, and they like kind of break. Well, because they they out. reveal that uh, Dangerfield used to dive in Atlantic City. He was the opening yes. act for the diving horses, which yes. I think is terrible, right? Like that's oh, that was a real thing though, for sure. Uh, yeah, but diving, but it's not. It wasn't good for the horses, no, right? They just shoved horses off a high dive. It's very bad. Oh, I thought they done. I thought it was off a pier into the water, the ocean. I thought. I my my knowledge of it is that they dove into a pool, like very I, bad. And I I I don't know this to be a fact, but I would be shocked to find out that it, there weren't a lot of horses shot. It wasn't just a pile shot. of dead horses. Yes, exactly. There's just a big mass horse grave. Oh, it's like the end of the Prestige. 
when it's they, they like pull back the curtain and it's the, the, the under the stage is just full of dead horses just corpses yeah it's just spoiler alert for the prestige i guess yeah exactly <laughs> also diving is just such a fascinating sport to me because like it's just such it's more physics based it seems and like yeah. Then, like, I don't know, like swimming, where you're like aerodynamic and like swimming in the water, like, is like you train by like doing it over and over again and like working your muscles, but like your muscles don't really have anything to do with you diving. I don't think. Again, I'm not an athlete. It They're seems more pretty ripped. Yes, but it, like when you're, if you're a swimmer, having strong arm muscles is going to help you, you know, pat, not paddle, but like stroke faster. Yeah. But like when you're diving, it's I I can't I don't imagine I think they're just ripped because they're you know athletes and doing diving and tumbling. But like I think I think they have to have a lot of definition to hold like really pre- precise positions for really precise amounts of time. Oh, that's true. I didn't think about that because you have to be like tucked into that perfect cannonball for two and a half rotations, which is like that's really muscle strenuous. Yeah. Have you ever seen the um the gyrosphere things that they train in? No, I haven't. Is it like to twist them all around and stuff? Yeah. So basically, it's the same kind of thing that like they do for wire work in movies, but they, it's they're uh, you know they have the two wires on either side and they're in a big ring that rotates so that they can like jump and in the air do the right rotations and then someone can like hold them up so that they can like get used to the feeling of like in uh, the in midair making shapes with their body. Yeah, yeah. it's really cool to see. I'll have to look that up. That doesn't look interesting. I just watched a bunch of it at the Olympics. I kind of watched a little bit of everything. And the the other thing I was really intrigued by is, I don't know if you noticed this, but during the diving, there's always this little like spritz of water hitting the pool as like a constant stream of water. And I was like, why? It doesn't make any sense. Why is it? Oh, so the, it doesn't hurt when they enter the no, water. No, it's, it's not that. It's because they have to be able to know where the water is. Like it helps them track the distance and know, know when to like contort their body and ch- change their position. Oh. This That's kind of cool. The movement of the water is like a visual cue. Uh, this is where we intro the triple Lindy. This is like his diving pier move. Mm-hmm. And we get a nice dive from Jason, which leads to him getting on the on the team just like that, yeah. which is kind of ridiculous. But Well, especially I, because the coach was like, he didn't do so well last tryout. And then he executes this like great dive. And I was like, what? Well, hang on. Well, maybe did he get better in a semester? I mean, he might have just like had a lot of pressure and didn't do well under the pressure. And this is like a more low stakes situation. He's just like having a good fun day diving with his pops. Maybe. Yeah. And also the guy says like the dive team is unbelievably bad. They haven't won a game. So like maybe adding a new player isn't the craziest idea, you know? Yeah. It's also uh, I think that also makes the whole Zabka thing even sillier. That like, what are you so cocky about, kid? (laughs) You're bad. Your team is awful. Uh, so this is the most perplexing scene of the whole movie to me. We finish the diving, we go to a bar and a band comes on the stage and they're playing twist and shout and we cut away and we cut back and twist and shout has not completed, but now Rodney is singing the song. Like the, the idea that he would have gotten into this position and succeeded to the point that the bar is eating out of the palm of his hand inside one song well i think it's i think we have to think of him as a james bond like in the james bond universe you know everyone wants to fuck him yeah in in the back to school universe in the back to school universe in the back to school universe he is the most charming man i mean 
I will be honest. I find him very charming in this movie. I do too. Uh, but I mean, there's some stuff where I'm like, okay, we. Yeah, there's a couple little moments that just have aged poorly because it's 40 years later, and it's like hard to knock it too hard for that. But he's very charming in this, and he's a very like guy, despite playing a character that I do not like as a real person. <laughs> like this kind of rich asshole, I hate a lot. Uh, I don't mind this kind of rich asshole because he's handing money out to everybody. Yeah, like, he's yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's fair, not like fair. do like you know. He's not your Jeff Bezos. Yeah, that's fair. Who's like, I'm inspiring you by spending eight million to go into space. Just just, look poor people. I'm inspiring you. (laughs) I'm going to wear a big cowboy hat for some reason. Yeah, like that. That's bullshit. But he's like handing out. He hands out money like it's a kid's party favor. Like he would put he would put 50s in the pinata. Oh, he definitely would put 50s in the pinata for sure. I just wanted it to be two songs or three songs. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I didn't need any songs. I didn't. I didn't need any musical interludes in this movie. (laughs) What about your boy Danny Elfman in ten minutes? That's great because it is a band. Okay, and it's like cutting to and from the band and the party. Yeah, this was an extended musical sequel. This was Twist and Shout in Ferris Bueller. This was from. Babysitters, Adventures in Babysitting. The real problem with this is they commit an actual movie crime, and that is Ferris Bueller had come out already, right? No. No, Ferris Bueller's 87. Oh, okay, okay. For some reason, I thought they- So is Ferris Bueller a deep cut reference to Back to School? I think think I've just learned that Ferris Bueller commits a deep movie crime, and that is- No, because they did it better. this, This movie had just come out. I- I guess. I guess that's when you do so it's like, well you always used to say that about like Frank Sinatra covering like musical theater songs. Like if you do it better, then you win. I don't have a big problem if it's a cover on an album, so to speak. That that doesn't bother me. But what I think is a little crazy is when you do like a full on um okay, so these movies came out two days apart. Really? Ferris Bueller and and Back to School came out June 11th and June 13th, 1986. June 11th is Ferris. So the, huh. these movies in production at the same time both did twist and shout scenes. That's bonkers. That's very weird. Also, we cut away from the bar to Arnie studying with the girl um, who's not given anything to do really in this movie. But she ends the scene by being like, will you do my astronomy homework? And then there's no laugh or giggle or any indication that she's joking. Yeah, I was confused about this whole bit. It it doesn't seem like she's joking. And then if that's true, she sucks. And she's already got nothing to do. So it's like, oh, is she just a terrible person? And I can't tell. That's what I thought it was going to be end up being like, she's not a good person. Right. I don't know what they want us to think, but that's what it seems like. Um, Polly is uh, Rodney Dangerfield's muscle. This is actually, a, I love this bit where there's like a fight about to brew and then it's like, do we have a problem here? And he's like, yeah, there's going to be. And then Pauly gets up, who is like, I like Danny guy. DeVito. Yeah, I like Burt Young. I do. I think he, I like, I, I even when he's Pauly and Pauly is stinking up the joint in the Rocky movies, I enjoy him. But he is not a physically imposing man. No, he's he Danny just, DeVito. Right. He's a little taller than Danny, but he just wrecks shop. He starts this amazing fight. They well, they give him a great they give him a great breakaway or crumble away uh, napkin dispenser to squish. 
which is a great. Yes, it's so good. And then the one and like the fight starts happening. Then there's a cutaway, and they have Burt Young uh, doing. They, a, someone's on wires, clearly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, clearly. And so they, it's like an extreme close up of the leg and the midsection of this person that he's military pressing straight up over his head, and then throws through a table. He looks like the, it looks like the Trunchbull in Matilda. To, oh, it does to, look like the Trunchbull. To cut back to Danny uh, DeVito. Uh, yeah, exactly. Also, RDJ comes off the top rope with a lovely clothesline and takes out a whole pile of people. I, I like the um the the wacky hijinks fight is fun. It, I was gonna say I have written down here. It's like it's a it's a pretty good comedy fight. Like it's it's mm-hmm. just a, it's just a bunch of good gags and and moves quickly and then we get out of there. Exactly. It doesn't it doesn't overstay its welcome. Yeah. So then we cut to a date that Rodney Dangerfield is having with Professor Dr. Janice. And again, I don't know what I'm supposed to take away from her. Like, is she interested in him? Is she not interested in him? Yeah, at first it seems like, no, I'm not interested. And then he begs for help. And then it's a date. Like, it's not just, uh, it's, you know, help me help you study and I'll I'll tutor you. It's like, oh, we're going on an actual date. Yeah, because, and then she's like, well, He's like, let's go to dinner. And she's like, I have a date with someone else. And he's like, break it. And she's like, mm, maybe. And then he like badgers her into doing it. And she's like, I'll call him and cancel. And then she goes to dinner. And when she comes home, her date, who is the mean professor, is there. Right. And I was like, I thought we called him. Right. Did, did you cancel on this guy and he showed up at your house anyway? Because that makes him a real Like, I need to know. I, exact, I need to know the situation. Did you yeah. forget to call him or did you call him? Because I need exactly. to know who's weird right now. Exactly. One of you is a real creep. Uh, and then Kurt Vonnegut shows up. <laughs> oh, my God. This is such a good bit. Like, super good. It's it feels this bit feels kind of Mel Brooksy to me. I don't know why. There's something like very oh, like yeah. sp- like you got their stunt doubles kind of moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The knock on the door and it's Kurt Vonnegut to tutor him is really lovely. No, to write his paper. That's, Kurt yeah. Vonnegut is there to yeah, write his report him. about Kurt yeah. Vonnegut. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we see our girl Edie McClurg. Speaking of Ferris Bueller, yeah, and great character actors. Delightful character actress Edie McClurg. Yeah, and this is this where we get. Yeah, so just before that, there's like a bit where he there's like a little bit montage happening, and he's going to be like a research assistant, and so he's just like putting on tapes for these monkeys to watch. Yeah, he's has, he's like I'm here for a lab requirement to, for my lab study or whatever, and he's like, great, play these hooked on phonics or muzzy tapes for these yes. monkeys until they learn language. Definitely muzzy. Yeah, 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 muzzy. But- and then it cuts away and cuts back and like the monkey gives Rodney a banana while he's on the phone. And it's like, oh, Rodney is just like a monkey. And then we cut away and cut back. And then Rodney has ordered a pizza and they're watching wrestling and eating pizza and popcorn. It was kind of a dumb gag, but I enjoyed it. It was cute. It's, yeah. Some of this movie is just like, is that the best use of, of, of a runtime? Right. It's like we're out of here in ninety minutes, so it's like a little bit of padding is 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 what's happening. We're going from eighty to ninety with some of these bits, but yeah, I think if there were more of those class, I think I needed more variety in the class. Like, this is my science requirement, and sure, then like sure. it should have been like he should have had a geology class, and he just pulls out like a bag of diamonds. Yes, yeah, that would have been good. I do Who like wants diamonds, like and then he like throws them into the crowd, like. <laughs> Okay, how about emeralds? He's got like that in the other pocket. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, he. I mean, he is a good kind of goofy that would that would totally have been fine. Um, I do love though that we like they let Edie McClurg run a little bit here. <laughs> yeah, they were like, hey. Here's here's an empty canvas and here's a few. We want you to paint with these colors, but go ahead, do, paint what you want on this canvas. Yeah, I was really surprised. So they they go back. She's a stenographer and she's taking notes for Rodney Dangerfield, and that really pisses off the professor, as you would imagine, uh, the snooty professor. And he like gets right in her face and is like, oh, "I'm gonna, you know, he's never gonna pass my class. So there's nothing he can do to stop it." And he's like really up in her face. And I really wanted her to give like a silly rebuttal here, like something like a. Now is that? Uh, yeah, I, she needed. I needed him to say like say his name, like Steve. Yeah. And she's like, is that Steven with a PH or a V? Yes, exactly. Yes, yes. Yeah, you can tell him Professor M- Moriarty said it. And you're like, is that M O R I A R or M O R I E R? Just, I needed one of those. And that was the only thing I was let down by. Or I, I wanted her to end it with dictated but not read by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, were type, do you think typewriters were ever a thing in classes for notes? Probably not. It seems like it would like even the even the portable typewriters are pretty heavy, and yeah. also it I was would just be curious. really annoying. Yeah, I guess. Like even even sometimes a loud keyboard kid would drive me nuts. I can't imagine like a full on <laughs> like I would have murdered a yeah, yeah. I think you would have killed a person unless maybe unless it was for someone who had some sort of like learning need for it, which I think everybody would be fine with. I don't think it was like your regular average student lugging a typewriter to class. Would be my guess. Yeah, I, I was. I, I think I was picturing like in the '60s or something. There might like classrooms might just have typewriters in them. Yeah, I. I <laughs> was how I doubt I, it, my brain was possible. picturing. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it just seems like it would have been like a whole room full of typewriters is a noisy thing. Definitely. So he hired so, a team of people to do all his homework. Yeah, and Arnie comes in, and Arnie has a very extreme reaction to all this. Yes, he does. Uh, well, it's because Zabka had been like, your dad bought your way on. No, not TV. that's not yet. Oh, okay. Because um, he he's already mad at his dad when that happens. But his he's like, his dad is outsourcing his homework because obviously. And he, you know, is like, oh, I, I did your astronomy. I got your astronomy homework done, too, by someone from NASA. And he, like, whips it across the room. And he's, like, screaming at him about all this stuff. And I was like... He hasn't taken a damn thing seriously since he's been here. Like, right. what? why is this the breaking point? <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. It's also odd because we don't, there's not, like, at the point that this movie starts, he was getting ready to quit college. And so it's, like, weird that he's co- come completely around and is like, oh, you know, like, why are you suddenly, why are you suddenly Mr. Mr. Study? Yeah. Uh, and then we cut to the swim, the dive meet. And he goes to ask the girl to the party, and she's like, oh, I have a date with someone else. And I was like, it's weird in this kind of movie that they're not dating yet. Yes, exactly. Like, that's weird for this movie. Yeah, I agree. And then, and then they this have, is... like, a fight at the party, and then, like, and then it's like they're having, like, this weird, like, oh, they get pushed apart and then get back together moment. I'm like, well, they're not together yet. They're not, they've never been nice. together. Right. And then this is where Zabka says, your dad bought your way onto the team. And I, my dumbass went, did I miss that? Yeah. Like, is Zabka telling the truth? And I fully missed that because I hope not. 
Yeah, no, that's not what happened at all. But also the idea of like pretty boy Mr. Silver Spoon Billy Zabka, who looks like the richest, preppiest douche novel. Exactly. Oh, you little rich boy. I'm like, all right, pump the fucking brakes here, pal. Your dad, you look like your dad bought you a swim team to be on. Exactly. Yeah. And then he calls him Nouveau Riche. And I'm like, are they Nouveau? Like, I did not think of him as Nouveau Riche. Like, I think Nouveau Riche is just the term that old money rich people, the Zabkas, use for the newer money, like trashier rich people. Like, because I was like, I don't, I, I kind of assumed that they, they've been wealthy for a while. Yeah, no, it seems like Arnie grew up rich. Oh, for sure. And so we go to the the her real date after the swim meet because Arnie botches his dive, um, and it's a it's a caveman theme, and I was like, is like. Rodney's like smoozing with the coach, and that's why he screws up his dive. Yeah, because he's he was just like, "Hey, coach, how you doing? Like, uh, good yeah, meet yeah. or whatever." Because Rodney Dangerfield's, you know, chatty. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, we're talking about the you're talking about the caveman. And I was like, "This is just a like a very in depth theme for a frat party. Typically, it's like beach party cowboys." Like oh, it's, the ones the ones at Maryland were all misogynistic and terrible, but they were all like golf pros and tennis hoes or something yeah like that. yeah i've heard that one i mean like, like clothes the f- you had in your closet or like something you'd go to like i need a i need a cowboy hat yeah excess like i need an accessory for the costume because like obviously in the theater house we had weird weird ass yeah i was gonna theme say parties you probably had elaborate shit that were in depth but honestly my favorite ones were the simple weird ones like my favorite one was i convinced the house i had heard about this theme before so I convinced the house to do it. I was like, you need to have a sexy blank party. And uh, you have to show up as the sexy version of whatever you are. Mm. So like you could, it's just so like some people could came like sexy lamp or like sexy refrigerator. And they had like yeah. letter magnets glued to them, glued to like a bra. Pretty like, yeah, it's creative and you can get stupid yeah. with it. Yeah. I also think the most silly part of this movie is not the triple indie, but the fact that the dive meets are always packed stands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially because the team is terrible, apparently. Right. Right. It's a it's a team that hasn't won. And yet everyone in the school knows immediately when Arnie screws up his dive. And then his uh, name is Jason Mellon, by the way. We keep calling him Arnie. It's He's Arnie. He's I'm Arnie just, Mellon. I'm just clarifying that we because know the information. He has the same character arc as he does in Christine with no, a girl who looks just like the actress I, in Christine. I totally agree. It's bonkers. Because <laughs> like, the girl in this movie, I was like, she looks like seven of... It looks like you did a... What would these seven actresses' babies look like? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Totally agree. So I was like, oh, Dead Man's Party. That's a fun song. Oh, my God. It's actually Oingo Boingo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> what? What are we doing here? Is that... Well, because Danny, Danny Elfman was Elfman. the composer. Yeah, yeah, I know. So I was like, maybe they just were like, hey. I, I I almost guarantee they were like, hey, we need a band for this scene. We'll pay you a little more money to do that. Sure, okay. He's like, great, I don't have to compose for this scene. I can use one of my songs. Yeah, yeah. And, and then charge maybe, you for it. Also, maybe you wanted to meet Rodney Dangerfield. But he was, if he was the composer, he might, like, that seems, you could have met him that way. Composer, composer probably isn't meeting Rodney under most circumstances. Maybe at the premiere. Maybe. I don't know. I feel like at this point, Danny Elfman's made a name for himself. I don't think so. Not this. I mean, Oingo Boingo is like a pretty famous band, but I don't think he's like nearly until he hooks up with Tim Burton. He's not nearly as big. Yeah. Who's doing? Wasn't he doing Burton at this point? 
Well, isn't Burton's big break is like Batman? That's 89. But he did um, uh, Pee Wee, which I think is in the 80s. Yeah, I guess so. I guess, yeah, Pee Wee is... uh, Beetlejuice is 88. Is that Burton? That's Burton. Okay. But this is before that. So I don't know. Um, So... uh, Pee Wee is the same year as this. Okay. So even if that is Danny Elfman, he hadn't really started to... Fair. The Snooty Professor and the professor that uh, he's wooing show up at the outside the party and they're like, let's go inside. And he's like, I'm going to call the security. And then the cops pull up and I was like, yes. I bet it's, I bet it's stripper cops. I bet oh, it's hot dude. Okay. I thought it was going to be like hot dudes and busty lady stripper cops, but instead we got cops delivering beer, which I'll take. It's a, yeah. also good. Yeah. Good gag. Solid gag. She ditches Philip. They go to the dance. She goes in, and then she catches Rodney with a bunch of bibs in a in a hot tub, and he's like getting out of the water with a snorkel. Cause, but again, I did not think she was interested in him. Agreed. And then also, it's like this situation is somewhat sexual, but it's not like she caught him like making out with a woman. Yeah, he's not like naked. It's not like Austin Powers where he's like naked in a pile of women right that's why it's confusing me so much it's like there's a bunch of people in bathing suits in a hot tub together and it's like yes it's four or five women in ronnie dangerfield it's obviously like somewhat sexually charged but he's not touching any of them they're all of their clothes on and it's just like making these weird jokes right and it's like if they were topless i could see the flames coming out of the side of her face but in this case i'm like "Eh, i don't get it and so she storms out and then he sees arnie and arnie gets mad at him and he's like my blah, blah, blah. He gets this, like once again harps is like my homework gets done by NASA scientists and I was like okay but if you don't turn in the fake homework <laughs> yeah, does it exactly. fucking matter right right like you could you could just do it and also because he it, was like I wanted to write that paper and I was like you still can Brohan <laughs> throw stopped. just take what you gave throw it in the trash and write your own paper. Right, it's not like Rodney Dangerfield took a jackhammer to his typewriter or something. It's like or like turned it in for you. him. Right, right, right. That would be worse. Yeah, I'm very confused. And also, it's not like this whole thing. Like, it's not like the movie had been like he'd been taught one lesson, and then this is completely antithetical to that lesson. It's just all very confusing to me. Yeah, I was like he hasn't cared the whole time. He's mostly just doing like, his Rodney Dangerfield. Mostly, I'm like, can we just get more Oingo Boingo? Can we get a follow up to Dead Man's Party? <laughs> yeah. Something? Instead, he's like drinking alone and sad, hiding. And like, he's in the dark. pulling. He's pulling in Arnie and Christine. Yes, he is for sure. Actually, that's exactly what he's doing. Um, and then he yells at the girl because she's like, "Oh, are you upset about the dive?" And he, because that's the logical explanation. Like you, you beefed it. Yeah, I would think you'd be upset about that. And he yells at her and then punches Zapka. And I was like, what's happening? Yeah, he actually knocks out Zapko, which is kind of a shock to me. I mean, if you, if you get someone, if you cold cock someone when they're, not, when they're unawares, you can knock them down. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's happened many, many times. Uh, we get Rodney in class with his professor and she's failed him, which is delightful. Like the idea that Kurt Vonnegut failed, Kurt Vonnegut failed the paper he wrote about himself was never not funny. Because her response is, whoever wrote this paper knows nothing about Kurt Vonnegut. And I was like, that's great. And then it cuts to him on the phone with Kurt Vonnegut being like, I'm canceling those payments. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm canceling your check. You're not getting paid by me. So this sets up this like end of the movie bit, which is really undercooked, that uh, we're going to have... He, 
oral exams because the SUNY professor accuses him of cheating to like he accuses him of this in front of Dean Martin and they go back and forth and he's like well how about you prove it and you just take it well Dean Martin is like hey Rodney Dangerfield give me your word did you cheat and he's like no and he's like great that's good enough for me yeah and then I was like this is unrealistic because rich white men will get whatever they want in academia exactly and it's like, okay, you have to take a comprehensive oral exam for every one of your classes. And I just, I'm like, who are these professors getting paid overtime to administer this for this one? Because I can promise you every professor I ever had would be like, I'm not doing that. Yeah. no, I'll just pass them. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, It's like, I already graded their paper. I'm, I'm out of this. I am done. I don't care anymore. Yeah. This- you know what my exam is going to be? Did you cheat on your paper? No? Great. A hundred percent. Whatever. What'd you get? Signed, sealed, delivered. <laughs> what'd you get in your paper? 85. Boom. Done. Okay. That's that. You get that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, it's like so much. I mean, it's a movie. Obviously, we're nitpicking. But it's just like, it's an insane level of work to assign to other people for your vendetta. Well, especially because they set it up. We'll get, well, I'll cover something in a minute. But they say like, you have three hours for your entire oral exam. Snooty Professor, you're up first. And he's like, I have one question in 27 parts, and each part has 13 subsections. And I was yeah. like, if I were the other professors, I would be like, fuck off, dude. Yeah, exactly. Like, we yes. also have tests to administer then. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. I would be. Or again, I would be like, great. No, I'm doing my test first. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> uh, what's the first letter in the alphabet? Cool. 85%. <laughs> yeah done out i'm done i'm not doing this you're wasting my time especially yeah, i kind of one of the professors is sam kinnison who we know is an unhinged lunatic in this movie and i'm like why is he not screaming about his time being wasted yeah i or we should have seen the other professors be like we don't we don't care like we we want to help him through this we're going right. to give him lowball easy questions right right but so after they announce that he's going to do the oral exam we cut to his uh, uh, it's a really lovely little like studying montage my favorite is him. He's getting, he's on his back getting his legs massaged, and Arnie's holding a book over him. And then he has yeah. to flip over to get his back massaged, and we push under the table, and RDJ is holding a book under the table for him to read. And I was like, that's yeah. great. Yeah, but then we part- cut, we cut to him and Dr. Diane, his, his professor, who got mad at him five minutes ago for being in the hot tub with ladies. Yeah. And they're like r- hugging each other, reading poetry to each other over each other's back. And I was like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah, he's reading poetry. She's whispering it in his ear. And I guess it's like, oh, I feel like an injustice has been happen- has been caused by my boyfriend. But it's just so confusing. Because there's no dialogue. Right. There's no like, I'm sorry for what happened. It's just we the next time we see her run out of the room because she sees the hot tub. And then the next time we see her, she's snuggling him whispering poetry in his ear. I think what it is is... Right before the montage, there's a heart to heart with Burt Young and uh, oh yeah, Bernie. and they have this like real nice moment where he's like, "Kid, your dad loves you very much." He's kind of misguided, but he's not like he's a real like he's very real. Like no matter like he follow he's true to his word. He's a good person. Like I worked for your dad for a very long time, and I wouldn't have done that if your dad wasn't a good person. Like he treats me really yeah. well. You're you're not giving your dad enough slack in this situation. He's trying to he's try, he's maybe not going about things in the way you think he should, but he's trying. He's doing. He's making an effort, and you're not recognizing that. And I think if you had stacked that scene, which I think is good, like it's a it, lovely scene. Yeah, and I think what it is is I think Burt Young's a pretty good actor, and and the guy who plays Arnie's a pretty good actor, and that they, they actually gave him a couple of pages and some like room to do this scene. 
But if you try to do this same scene with with Rodney Dangerfield and the professor, it's going to be a mess because he's a doofus. Like, I don't think he yeah. has it in him. So I totally agree with you. Like, it's it's bizarre. Like, it's it's like whiplashy from how quickly they, they bounce back. But I truly think it's like they probably shot that scene and were like, we can't use this. There's That's just fair. no using this. But I agree with you. It's 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 totally bizarre. So we cut to him getting his exam. We only ever see him get asked the questions by the mean professor. Yeah, this this really needed to be like when he's like, you're totally right. He stands up and does his like, I have a 27 part question with 13 subsections. That's stupid. Like this should be rapid fire and we should get a montage of Rodney being like the age of enlightenment. Uh, yes, exactly. I want I want him just like throwing out answers to do their or I, I want I want a black screen and like he's fading in and out of like different camera angles yeah, of him yeah, being yeah, like yeah. yes yes square root of seven yes. or, that's not that is a Bernie Sanders that was <laughs> that, that was a Bernie Sanders not a Rodney Dangerfield <laughs> I apologize vaccine yeah but yeah it's just like you just like I want I want exactly what you're describing like I want a montage here but the problem is we just did a really good montage and so we can't do two montages back to back that would break yeah. movie laws but it was just yeah it's like Instead, it's this really dumb thing where they like we cut away and we see other people doing stuff and then we cut back to Rodney and it's just kind of dumb. Yeah. Well, because then we cut away from him and and Arnie goes up to the girl and he's like, I'm sorry for what I did. He's like, this is mini monologue about like, I'm so sorry about how I acted and what I said. And I really, really I'm yeah. in love with you and I want to take you out on a date. And she goes, that's the most words you've ever said to me before. And I. And I was like, yeah, call his shit out. And then she's like, and yeah, I love you exactly. too, and kissed him. And I was like, no, no, call his right. shit out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, if it was, I had a, I have a crush, I had a crush on you too. That's one thing. But it's like, they, they jump to two levels past that. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that drives me nuts is like the th- questions that the douchey professor asked him were not covered in class. And it would be reasonable for Rodney to be like, you didn't teach me this. Yes, exactly. Also, her dating a student of hers, even if he is her age, is not great. Right. It's it's not good. Yes, agreed. But he she gets up there, she gives him the softball like you said you wanted everybody to do, and she asks him to quote Dylan Thomas. So he quotes Rage Against the Dying of the Light. And like they cut to Warren Beatty crying, or is it Ned Beatty? Ned Ned Beatty. Beatty. Ned, Ned Beatty. Ned and he's crying. <laughs> <laughs> which is really great to me of like oh he's reciting this poem so well i moved to tears yeah, it was cute um cut, and then they hand wave the rest of the exams yeah that's it that's it we cut to the dive meet and rdj is sitting with burt young being like you ever see somebody heckle a diver and he does an air horn right as someone's about to go this is a hundred percent uh very dangerous but a hundred percent they'd be like that diver's gonna go again yes 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 i kept thinking that it's like both teams would be like yeah, of course. Yes, of course. Yeah, I know it's our opponent, but of course you can go again. And also, can we send security to find the guy with the air horn that's doing this? Well, because the second guy, he does the mirror flash in his eyes. And like that guy could easily be like the mirror of the flash was coming from there in the crowd. Yes. And also that guy could fall and break his neck. <laughs> yeah, you could instantly die. But, you know, so Zabka does a bad dive and then Arnie does a very boring dive and they're like tens, and I was like, "That was a boring dive, though." Right? Yeah, it was. It was very weird. And then Zabka fakes a cramp, like he fakes a cramp so he doesn't have to go. And I'm like, "Are you trying to throw the match? Like, what is your end game?" I could not figure out what he was trying to accomplish. He like, if I can't win, if I can't win, like make the team win, the team has to lose. But 
we were under the impression that this team was big losers already. Right. This team has always only lost. So what are you doing? And then this is where he's he's like, fine. He basically like pushes Zapka in the pool. Is like, whatever. Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> yeah, get up And here. my brain went, I thought Rodney Dangerfield dove in the end. <laughs> but there's five minutes left in this movie. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's like barely in the movie. And it's the only thing I remembered. Yeah. Also, I've I've always wanted to try a high dive like that. Not like a dive dive. I yeah, would probably I just, just do a pencil. Yeah, yeah, I would love to just jump off of it. Yeah, safely. Like I, maybe if I did a pencil, I might be like, yes, I can do a single, like just a normal dive down. I would I would piss my pants. <laughs> There's just no well, way I, I could do it head first. I mean, I like swimming and diving and stuff. I do too. I love swimming and jumping off a diving board, but like dry, jumping 30 feet head first would scare the bejesus out of me. Well, your hand first, but Whatever. I've always I've always seen him like, I, w- I would try it. Even the, the medium one. I feel fairly confident about my ability to jump off and stay vertically straight, like feet first. Oh, for sure. I feel very less confident about being able to make sure that I didn't tip too far towards my belly or back and just do the largest, horriblest splat (laughs) and just be like at best miserably in pain and at worst like lacerated both kidneys. So (laughs) (laughs) I would jump feet first. No problem. That's about it. And so, so we, we see the, the triple the Lundy other, finally, and it's every bit as stupid as I want it to be. Though, he's like starting to get up there, and the, the announcer voice comes over, and it's like, for this dive, two additional springboards will be installed. And I'm like, that must take hours. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, they slap them up real quick. They're like inflatable. <laughs> like, it's, it's, essentially, they put a piece of wood there and had a big heavy person sit on the other end of it. And we're like, good enough. <laughs> Basically. Um, but the the triple L- Lindy because they never really talk about it. They just say the name. Right. He it's three diving boards next to each other, and yes. he jumps off a high dive and bounces off of each one, like flipping each time, and yes. then into the water. And I was like, it feels very Cirque du Soleil. Like if yeah. if I saw a clip of Cirque du Soleil doing that now, I'd be like, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, he does like a horizontal bounce, and then another horizontal bounce, and then a ba- and then a front flip, and then a back flip into the water, or maybe it's a back flip and then a front flip on the last diving board. But yeah, it's bonkers. Uh, and they win. Yeah, and then we uh, and cut then to it's like it's like oh man, the movie's over, and then we cut to he's giving a graduation speech, and I'm like, wait, didn't he just start school? Is he graduating? He's got like like well, a lot. They of- say we've never had a freshman give this speech before, but he yeah. is wearing full like yes. doctorate PhD graduation exactly. robes. That's what I was gonna say. It's not just your regular robe; it's a doctorate robe. It's weird. And, and I was I, like, did they just I graduate was- him to get him out of there? <laughs> that seems like what happened. But I was like, okay surely he's gonna drop a respect here and he doesn't but we just get aretha on the soundtrack at the very end mm-hmm. i thought this movie was gonna have a freeze frame where are they now oh yeah that would have been funny like an animal house style mm-hmm. um, i was i was honestly i like i was i remember this movie like, i remember finding this movie funny last time i watched it which was like god 20 years ago easily for me and so i was like a little apprehensive but i was honestly like this is a pretty enjoyable all, all in like final thoughts here yeah obviously. i mean there's so, some like, obviously some not great parts but overall yeah i mean it's like you're of course going to get some things that don't hold up to modern standards in any of the movies we ever watch this one is not yeah. egregious as far as they go like obviously like your miles may vary you might find the scene of him in the shower much more horrifying than we did but it's like i was expecting a lot worse so i was pleasantly surprised that it was just this one kind of like i was oh, that too was, that wasn't great but it's fine 
Um, yeah, I think he's a very charming guy or he was. Um, and, and this movie is basically just like wind him up and let him go and put a bunch of character actors around him. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think I would recommend this. I, I do. It's all I would time. Right it's now, it's breezy. Yeah. It's 90 minutes. If you have any tolerance, if you have any like or tolerance of Rodney Dangerfield, you'll probably get your money's worth out of this. Mm hmm. Well, thank you so much for listening to the show. I um, want to make sure you check out uh, patreon.com slash dissecting the 80s. That's uh, where you can f- find bonus episodes of the show. There's 17 hours of bonus content or more than 17 hours of bonus content. And in a couple of weeks or uh, sometime in September, maybe not a couple of weeks precisely, there'll be a new episode up there uh, tying into a really big movie release that's uh, happening later this year that you might you know expect us to cover an episode on so you know something my girl is back i will say that much that's that's <laughs> my hint my girl is back yeah and uh, uh several of my guys are back indeed well i i love that i saw i watched the trailer recently my reaction to the people who sent to me was janine they're like that's <laughs> yes that's yeah, it of course yeah who who wasn't excited about a good janine uh, I'm 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 really 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 hoping there's a small Rick Moranis. I don't I'm not getting my hopes too high up, but I I'm hoping he so he shows up when he likes it. Yeah, basically is but kind of what he's done so for far the, for the the 2016 Ghostbusters. So he didn't like it. Uh. <laughs> he was like, I don't. See, he basically was like, I don't see the point in in it. Right. Well, this movie has perhaps even less point than that movie, but I mean, I agree. Yes, but it's. It seems more "quote unquote" faithful. Yeah. Anyway, I hope that he shows up. I'm also uh, hoping that that Wayne Zelinsky show ends up getting made, so I can see him do a little more of that action. Yes, please. Yes, uh, we'll do "Honey, We Shrunk the Kids" in in whenever that happens. But uh, so that'll be coming up soon. So check out Patreon.com/slash/dissectingthe80s and uh, check that out. There's uh, many tiers that give you awesome benefits, bonus episodes the monthly bag of soup newsletter that lets you know the episodes that are coming and all sorts of great stuff. And, uh, we're also at dissect the eighties on Twitter and on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash dissect the eighties. Don't forget to check that out as well. If you want to say hi to us, we'd always love, we always love to hear from you. Review the show. Yes. If you haven't done that review, the show, it's been a while since we had a review. So I would love to read one of those on the air. Do it, get out your phone and review the show wherever you listen to this. And if it's not, um, iTunes, Send us a screenshot, uh, dissectingthe80s at gmail.com, and we'll read it there. So do that, and we will read your review on the air. It's been a little while since we had one, so please do that. Um, I think that's everything. I have been Trip Lano. I will always be Andrew Lano. Until next time. Don't you forget about me. If you're listening to this show as you head back to school on your Android device, you should check out the Podcast Republic app. You can find it on the Google Play Store alongside thousands of good reviews that tell you how wonderful it is. So you don't have to take my word for it and trust me because I'm just a guy with a podcast. You can favorite your favorite shows. They download whenever new episodes are uploaded, so you don't have to worry about that. I am lazy and never know when any shows are, so that's always a great feature. But go check out the Podcast Republic app on the Google Play Store and see if it's the right podcast player for you. Dissecting the 80s is a chum sum of this production. <laughs> <laughs>